This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, November 12, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. The executive branch wants Congress to do, well, something about stable coins, the cryptocurrency that's pegged to the U.S. dollar. Cato's Norbert Michel and Jennifer Schultz say that what's really needed here is clarity. And regulators so far aren't providing much to the burgeoning crypto space. We spoke earlier this week. The Biden administration is concerned about stablecoins. Uh, and a report was issued urging Congress to take the lead on that uh, to whoever would like to take it. What was the what was the thrust of that report? The thrust of the report was sort of a, a whiff um, in that they're just saying we want Congress to do something. Everybody knows that Congress isn't going to do anything anytime soon. Um, the part of it that's not a whiff, though, their big recommendation that's there is that they want only insured financial institutions, banks, to issue stablecoins. So they want to isolate uh, banks from that competition completely and totally. Uh, Jennifer, it the way crypto has developed in uh, on Earth, uh, it it hasn't made use of traditional banking institutions, and yet it seems pretty clear to me that banking institutions really want a lot of the wealth that's in crypto to move into those institutions. Um, What role did banks themselves play in uh, getting this advice to Congress uh, going? Well, it's always difficult to say exactly who is speaking to the president's working group. But actually, in this circumstance, the president's working group noted all of the individuals that it took commentary from in issuing the report. Um, A lot of those came from very banking-friendly perspectives and can be traced back to having, you know, banking ties. I think it's important to note here that you know, it's not a surprise that the banking industry wants to protect itself and protect itself from the competition that crypto has proven that it so ably can bring to kind of the traditional systems that, that we've seen over time. I guess, what's the difference between a dollar and a stablecoin when uh, you engage in a transaction? Uh, well, the big difference is the on the payment side, um, the actual sort of behind the behind the scenes payment network itself, the settlement of the actual flows uh, with a dollar traditionally, either even if it's an electronic transfer uh, with no paper involved at all, it takes a little while to settle. And depending on the transaction, it could take quite a while to settle. And that's the big difference on the crypto side. It's instantaneous settlement. So uh, Jennifer, clearing is a big problem uh, with banks. Uh, isn't it that 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 is transactions that that banks engage in can take days to to process stable coins at least seem to offer that benefit uh, should we expect banks to be pushing for faster uh clearing of transactions well I think we'll see banks and banks have been pushing for faster clearing and transactions but but what we're talking about here really is competition. It's all well and good for the banks to be looking for uh way changes to the regulations and changes to the system to make traditional dollar transfers to be more quick, more efficient, and cheaper. Um, But some of that is being pushed by the fact that crypto is here on the heels offering opportunities for quicker 
um, secure and potentially cheaper transfers as well. All right. So you all offered a uh, simple proposal for regulating stable coins. What does that look like? It, it looks very much like we used to regulate money market funds. Um, it's very straightforward. It's uh, designed to promote transparency, um, basic disclosures, basic reserve requirements. And that's kind of it. <laughs> um, I mean, we can get technical, but I mean, it's it's we, we tried to make it not very technical and uh, keep it rather simplistic. Well, and it's looking to solve what we think is the biggest potential problem with stable coins um, to the consumer and the holder is so that is looking at disclosure and transparency as to the reserve, which is what pegs the stable coin to the dollar or to whatever currency it's being pegged to. Um, so the, the proposal really is aimed narrowly at dealing with this one risk factor that that's a pretty obvious one um, when we're talking about what the president's working group has has suggested here that they, they're looking at a lot of potential issues many of which we don't agree exist and they're not focused at all on what is an actual uh, place where regulation can be useful in looking at creating protections for both issuers and holders of stable coins so so what are these uh if we'll say ephemeral issues that uh, are uh, that, as far as the government is concerned, plagues or could plague stable coins down the road. Well, they 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 focus on these vague terms like systemic risk and risks to financial stability, uh, runs, potential runs, and fire sales of assets, and that's really you know like that's that's sort of um, well I. I mean, more than just ephemeral. I mean, I, I want to use the word fantasy, but that might be a little harsh. Um, but it, I mean, these are just talking about things that might happen. And of course, there's no end to the amount of things that might happen. And we do know, however, that Tether, for example, the biggest stable coin, did actually have a very big problem in terms of reserve transparency. Um, which I mean, they got uh, they they were sued over. <laughs> so the New York Department of Financial Services actually brought a case against Tether over their reserves and over them over whether Tether actually had the types of reserves that they claimed they had and the amount of reserves that they claimed they had. Um, they ended up settling. Uh, the CFTC also followed with their own uh, case for the same reason. So this is and you can see now in what they did disclose after that, that there's a really big question uh, as to what exactly they had. You know, as, if these problems may or may not be real, some of the concerns that uh, the feds have, and there is a real problem that you say that they're not addressing, I, I wonder to what extent can banks simply say, hey, uh, we're adopting this stable coin. We're going to be using this one. We're going to give that the market for this coin uh, our confidence what's what's wrong with that oh i mean the the funny thing here is that uh lots and lots of different consumer groups uh have been calling for banks and even some banks have been calling to do faster payments uh for a very long time and nobody has done had done anything until 
we got to a crypto market, until crypto started becoming more and more prevalent, and it became obvious that this was actually a real threat. Um, so then all of a sudden you have the large banks get together and they do a fast payment and instantaneous settlement system. And then the Fed pops up and says, okay, now we have one. So, I mean, in theory, banks can do it. The question is, will they, or will they need to? Uh, and then the bigger question here with this report is, should they be forced to be the only ones that can do it? Um, and I think that's the bigger issue here, um, because banks certainly can do it, but so can other non-bank companies. And there's really no inherent reason to not allow those non-bank companies to do this. Jennifer, the reason I, I bring this question up is because it doesn't seem to me like banks really have a lot of the expertise that might be necessary to issue a credible uh, stable coin. And if the the executive branch's advice to Congress is, yes, only banks ought to be doing this, uh, what next? You know, that's an interesting question, um, because I think if Congress were to proceed down the president's working group path, we, we could see any number of outcomes here. Um, you could see banks acquiring companies that have been putting out stable coins. Um, you could see banks acquiring expertise in that space. Uh, it's a little bit hard to say what would happen. But what we know would happen is that it would decrease competition between banks and you know, non-bank payments providers. And that's not a good outcome. Um, so whether the banks ultimately have expertise that allows them to create a stable coin, I think is question down the line, but we don't want to choke off the competition that's been beneficial thus far and will continue to be beneficial in the system. Has the uncertainty regarding uh, federal regulation of crypto kept banks from engaging more directly in this space? Yes. No, that, yeah, that's an easy one. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Completely agree. Yeah. Okay. So what what would make it easier for banks to uh, move into this space and, uh, you know, vice versa, uh, crypto spaces moving more into more traditional type payments. Well, the, the clarity issue is essentially which regulatory agency has what authority. And, you know, uh, until they come out and do something or say something specific, concrete, uh, we're not going to have that, that clarity. And that is a stumbling block. Uh, I think you could, well, yeah, I know. I mean, you could envision, say, the OCC and the Fed coming out and saying, okay, you have a green light to do it under these, you know, these capital requirements and whatnot. Um, there, there, there is a loose framework in that for that in place already on the banking side. I can envision how that would happen or that how that could happen. I don't know if they're going to do it, though. And I'd add to that, a proposal like ours provides some of that regulatory clarity about who's in charge, um, whether or not a bank directly would be able to take advantage of an SEC-regulated stablecoin. Um, it's a question that gets a little bit deep into the banking regulations for me, but a lot of the banks that were talking about are conglomerates. They have securities, uh, they have SEC-regulated entities already. Um, you could definitely see banking entities taking advantage of the regulatory certainty that a proposal like ours provides in order to also compete in the space with non-bank 
issuers as well. That's right. And not that we think these stable coins are money market mutual funds, but just as Jen's saying here, just like banks, traditional banks do have entities that can market money market mutual funds, you could have the same thing once it's a regulated uh, device, so to speak. Norbert Michel is vice president and director of the Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Jennifer Shelp serves as director of financial regulation studies at Cato. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.